Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, midweek, big midweek show. You know, one thing about being on vacation, if you will, and uh, you got the time change and you have the jet lag, which I had spoken about earlier in the week. But it really, you uh, you get so lazy. I mean, it's such, so lazy that really by the time I do this show at night, I am for some reason tired. And I'm usually not tired at home. I'm not tired when I'm on my regular schedule. But now when you're like on vacation and you have the time change and you're just lounging around and not really doing anything, it's amazing how lazy and tired you can get. What do they say? The... Uh, Idle mind is the devil's workplace. I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. A lot of sayings aren't true. A lot of sayings are just silly, cliche, dumb. But I think the idle mind is the devil's workplace is actually a very good saying. I think it's actually very apropos. Um, And with all this going on, it's easy to kind of stay connected to everything. But I'm getting very excited about the, the Fox News Patriot Awards tomorrow night, Thursday night. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern will be the Fox News Patriot Awards. Um, and I will attend that all the way, all the way in the cheap seats in the upper area, upper deck. It's at the Hard Rock in Hollywood, Florida. It's at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. And there's like three levels. There's like the orchestra, then there's like the mezzanine, and there's like the balcony, and then there's like the God's area on the balcony. And that's, that's where I'll that's where I'll be, God seating in the balcony. But I'll be there, and that's very exciting. That's very exciting. I know people like Kill Mead listen to my podcast. I didn't get an invitation for a better seat or a party or anything like that, but that's okay. It's okay. I've only been doing this podcast for a year. By the way, this is officially my 250th show, 250. So that's a, that's a milestone. Maybe by the time I do podcast number 500, this time next year, I'll get a better seat at the next year's uh, Fox News Patriot Awards. But it'll be fun to be there, and I'll see who I can meet. I noticed watching Fox today, they're already half of the hosts are already there, and the other half are like going tomorrow. So you know, it should be a should be. It looks like everyone who's anyone, everyone who's anyone at Fox is going to be there. It's crazy. It's like it's a huge, huge event in you know in wonderful Hollywood, Florida, where it's like. Where we partly cloudy, eighty degrees, eighty-two degrees, just perfect weather. What do, what do people in Florida have to complain about? Nothing really, right? They've got perfect weather. All right, you got that hurricane every once in a while, but you got perfect weather most of the time. You got a great governor, right? You've got a free state. Uh, it didn't close during COVID. You had you know, people have been wearing masks for you know a year, year and a half. I mean, it's it's a great place to be. It's it's just you know great. You got the beach. You've got some nice downtown areas like downtown Fort Lauderdale, and you have it's, it's just it's, if Miami Beach, South Beach. You can't complain if you live in Florida. You can complain if you live in California, like I do. If you live in San Francisco, you can complain. If you live in California, you can complain. If you live in Florida, you cannot complain. Trust me. And when someone like myself in California comes to Florida, let me tell you something. It's I, I, I mentioned this during COVID. I had been to Florida maybe two or three times during the heart of COVID. 
And I said, it's like a prisoner going on like the prison release, work release, where you get to go free for a weekend, you know, and then you have to go back to prison again. That's truly what it felt like. That's true. It still feels that way. It still feels that way that I'm, I'm being released from prison. I get to you know, enjoy my life for a weekend and then back, back to prison I go. So if you're in Florida, really, really don't complain. You have nothing to complain about. Speaking of Florida, look at all the things going on in Florida. You have the Fox News Patriot Awards. You had Trump announcing yesterday from Mar-a-Lago that he's running for president for a third time. Remember, people seem to think it's a second time. It's not really, right? It's the third time. It's his third campaign for president. He's go two for three. Two out of three ain't bad. Um, and it really triggered Democrats. I, I know it's not a shock. Everyone expected it to trigger Democrats, and it really did trigger Democrats. They're totally triggered again. You know, you have celebrities going on Twitter saying, oh, no, I can't do it again. It's too much for me. I can't, crying. I can't take another campaign. Oh, after uh, four years. So, you know, there were some people who actually thought. And, you know, if you know Donald Trump, you know he wasn't going to stop. All right. You know he was going to go for his two full terms some way, either back to back or with, a, as he called it, a pause. That was a very clever way of putting it for him. A pause in between, but he's going to get his. Uh, he's going to go for his eight years. So uh, these people were like shocked that Trump's running again. I can't believe it. You, come on, they can believe it. It's bullshit. It's more Hollywood melodrama, you know. And Elijah Wood. It's funny. Elijah Wood was on Twitter today, and at first I'm like, Elijah Wood. Do I know that name? Do I know the name Elijah Wood? I, mean, I hadn't seen him in so long. I guess he did Spider Man recently, right? Did he do Spider Man? That was a while ago, though. So I think Elijah Wood hasn't done much in a while. I almost didn't like recognize his name anymore. Then I realized, oh, it's the actor, Elijah Wood. And he said just stupid things that Hollywood liberal elites say that I cannot take another four years. We can't take another four years. It's too horrible. And I thought, well, Elijah, you know, unless you're a Hollywood elitist. And look, like I said, I've said this many times. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows I am not in 2024. I'm not for Trump. I'm for Ron DeSantis. But. I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. And these idiots out of Hollywood saying it was such a horror. Oh, what he said it was it was such a horror movie, a horror show for four years. And I said, well, the only reason why leftists think it was such a horror show that Trump was president was Twitter and CNN, MSNBT telling you it's a horror show, telling you he's a horror show for everything unsubstantiated, of course, starting with Russia. Well, basically, his four years in office was Russia, Russia, Russia it was the major scandal which, of course, was proven to be total bullshit. But unless you're a total Hollywood leftist elitist, to think that was horrible, but this isn't, shows you're an elitist. That high gas prices, in bad, terrible border policy, fentanyl, fentanyl coming across the border and killing children, killing our kids by the thousands, uh, inflation, small businesses closed down, this is what's horrible. You see, most people who were not Hollywood or liberal elitists think this is horrible. Okay? This is horrible. Yes, there was some stress and anxiety and just, you know, drama around the Trump presidency. But a lot of it, some of it was caused by him and much of it was caused by the mainstream media. But, and his oh his tweets that were just oh you can't take his tweets we could take every, we could take eight percent on we could take eight percent inflation we could take gas prices at five dollars we could take two and a half million people every year coming across the border we could take all the fentanyl issues and crime crime through the roof but those tweets oh god 
You know, it's like at some point you have to say to these people, shut up. Where's Will Smith to just slap them all in the face in one shot? Enough is enough with this. Like I said, there's two kinds of Trump derangement syndrome. There's Trump derangement syndrome of the left kind, which is these leftists who he lives rent-free in their heads forever. And there's Trump derangement syndrome of the right kind, the right-wing people, the people who love him, who just can't seem to think of a you know someone else's president. It has to be him. And if you say he shouldn't be, if you say maybe he should be Ron DeSantis, they call you a fake conservative or a fake Republican, whatever the hell that means. I don't know what it means. So there are those two kinds of Trump derangement syndrome, and I find myself in the middle now. I find myself in the middle, you know? I mean, I was fending off the people on the left who had TDS for the last six years, and now I've got to fend off people on the left and the right who have it. And I, I, you know, and many of us are stuck in the middle there, right? Was it Jokers to my left? What was that? How did that song go? Jokers to my left? I'm, I'm trying to think of from, from Pulp Fiction. Not for uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, you know, it's not assholes. I like to say, you know, it's, it's, you know, idiots to my left and assholes to my right. And here I am stuck in the middle. And a lot of us are here. So it's like, what do we do? What do we do with our left wing friends and our right wing friends or, or people with Trump range syndrome on the left and the right? And what do we do with them? How do we handle them the next, thanks to Trump, the next, at least the next year? No, more, at least the next year and a half, because the, the primaries won't start for, you know, 14, 15 months. So what do we do with all these people? How do you handle them? Really, how do you handle them? How do you tell people on the left you're not really a Trump supporter and these people on the right you're not really a Trump supporter, but, you know, that you're a DeSantis guy and that. But then Trump, you know, having the right to run again and he's going to run again. And I don't think it's the most horrible thing in the world that he's going to run again. I think the primary voters will not go for him this time. I think I think you're seeing a lot. Look, you got Mike Pence coming out and saying Mike Pence didn't just come out and say there'll be other. Mike Pence could have easily said it's very early and there'll be other candidates. He said there'll be better candidates. OK, so Mike Pence, you know, throwing a sharp one at him right away. He said there'll be better candidates in 2024. Mike Pompeo, a total Trump guy. He didn't stab him in the back like Barr did. Right. When he left office. And he said. There are better candidates, including probably himself. I think Pence and Pompeo are going to get in it. I think that's one of the reasons why they're doing this. But Pompeo, Pompeo, Mike Pompeo lost weight and I guess lost his love for Trump at the same time. And, uh, you know, he said something to the effect of uh, we need forward thinking, not people who are looking backwards, claiming victimhood. Of course, he was talking about Trump. So I think we're seeing a totally different dynamic than we saw in 2016. And then, of course, 2020, we're seeing a lot of people who are just like over it. They're over it. And, you know, we don't. Why did why did why did the GOP or anybody? But why did the GOP need someone with all that baggage? You know, the, the, the January 6th stuff, the impeachments, the, the, the Mar-a-Lago thing, the documents, the uh, 80 years old, you know, who knows? It is a what? His, his, his personality. Why does the GOP need that? Why? It's not like they have no other choices, right? It's not like they have no other choices. It's not like they had over oh, a guy who's 45 who just turned Florida from swing to deep red who won by 20 points uh, a few days ago, right? They don't have a guy like that, do they? 
the guy who got Democrats to vote for him and independents and blacks and Latinos and women and men in college. They don't, what do they need? They don't need him, right? Let's go with Trump, who just has that Trumpy group of people, right? His incredibly ardent supporters who go to his rallies where he gets 30,000 people. And that's it. Remember, he turns on a lot of Republicans. Yes, he does. But he also turns off a lot of Republicans. He turns off independents. He turns off Democrats. That's a problem. Ron DeSantis just proved he can turn on all those. He just proved it. He like just did this. He just did this last week. He proved he could turn on all these groups. Which I don't know if any other Republican can do. Not just Trump. I don't know if uh, Mike Pence can turn on. All, I don't think Mike Pence can turn on those groups the way the way DeSantis. I don't think Mike Pompeo can turn on those groups the way Ron DeSantis did. So I think, you know, I don't want to come across as saying he's the perfect candidate. But he's a pretty freaking good candidate. And I think he's got a lot more going for him than Donald Trump. Um, there's no doubt at all. There's no doubt at all that, that and I mentioned this in the past, that Trump did that so early as to fend off any other people who wanted to run, you know. But like I said, I think that was his thinking before the election, right? He was assuming, because the polls were telling us, that most of his candidates were going to win. And after most of his candidates won, he would have, and I don't think he actually, and he also, I don't know if he saw Ron DeSantis winning exactly as much as, people know DeSantis was going to win, but I don't think they, th- they thought he was going to win like that, and I think Trump included, because California, because Florida had been so tight forever. And DeSantis only won by like, what, 30,000 votes? Think about that. He won like 30,000 votes, I believe, in 2018. And four years later, he won by a million and a half. 30,000 to a million and a half. So I don't think even Trump force, you know, was able to foresee that kind of victory. So Trump thought he was going to make this announcement a week after the election. Republicans had won the Senate. Republicans had won the House. All of his candidates had won. He'd have them all up there with him. And he'd be able to say, I'm the leader, baby. No one else run. Well, it didn't work out that well. It didn't work out that way because of what happened on Election Day. It just didn't work out that way for him. And two-thirds of his candidates, forget what he said about the primaries, two-thirds of his candidates lost last week. Two out of every three of his candidates lost. The Republicans didn't win the Senate. They should have won. They barely won the House, which they should have won even bigger. And so he took a few hits of little chinks in the armor. So that whole thing of, you know, everyone else be afraid of me is not working anymore. It's not working anymore. We know Ron DeSantis certainly isn't afraid of him. So he's going to get the real primary that he figured he would not get. Because he really figured he would be the only one in. That's what he figured. He'd be the only one in. Once he announced, all the other people would say, I'm not going to do it. Now they're not doing that anymore. So I think Trump was kind of stuck in a way. I think he had decided he was going to run. He had told everyone he was going to run. And then, you know, Election Day happened and DeSantis happened and then he was stuck. And, he, you know, he can't be – there's no humility there, so he couldn't say I'm not going to run. He had to make the best of it and run anyway. But he's no longer the leader of – and if you look at these polls – he was ahead of DeSantis in every poll up until Election Day. And since Election Day, he's behind DeSantis in all these polls. We're talking about like the, you know, the early state voting polls, or primaries like uh, New Hampshire and, and Nevada and uh, Vermont, uh, Vermont, Iowa, so on and so forth. Um, so 
you know, he was throwing that curveball, but now he has to work with it. Now he has to work with it. And yes, he'll be offended that he's the former president and he has to go through a primary when he shouldn't have to do that. But once again, he was the same guy who was telling Hillary Clinton that she wasn't owed anything, right? She wasn't, she wasn't anointed anything because she was Bill Clinton's wife and the senator from New York. And it was her time, she thought. And Trump rightfully said that you're full of crap. Nothing's, nothing's owed to you. So therefore, you have to now eat that yourself, Donald. Nothing is owed to him. Okay, there's no anointed president here. There's no anointed nominee. He's going to have to earn it. He's got to earn it just the way Hillary had to earn it. Well, unfairly, but earned it against Bernie Sanders, right? So, and the same with Joe Biden. I mean, he's going to have to earn it, Trump. And some people still think he'll be the favorite. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because like I said, I I think when Trump first ran, he was an unknown entity. You know, people like Ted Cruz and Jeb Bush and Chris Christie had never seen that kind of an entity before. They'd never seen someone debate like that before, right? And I think they were back on their heels, put back on their heels by this street fighter kind of a candidate. And that is now old news. And now that whole playbook is known to everyone. So maybe Trump is going to try a new playbook. We saw a very calm speech. I don't don't buy it. I think it's a calm speech because people don't remember this. But Trump also gave a very, very calm level speech when he won the presidency in 2016 on the night he won when he clinched it. And he came out and he said something like, wow, this is a real much tougher game than I thought it was going to be getting into. And he was very, I remember that night and I'm thinking, oh, look at this. And other people said that they seem to have forgotten it. I said to myself, look at this. He's transitioning to be president elect. Wow. Well, it didn't last more than a day. Right. All of a sudden, then he became Donald Trump again. And once other people get into this race. He'll start being Donald Trump again. He's not going to be able to, you know, Lindsey Graham. They all came out and said the same thing as though it was scripted. You know, like the Democrats come out with the same thing when they get COVID. I've gotten COVID for the 75th time, but I'm so happy and glad that I got the vaccines that protect blah, blah, blah. The same written script. Well, it seems like all these people got the same written script, Mike Huckabee. And they all said, wow, if Trump is like this, if he can be like this the entire time, he's unbeatable. Well, He's not going to be like this the entire time. Not, not even close. Not even close. He showed his true colors when he called Ron de Sanctimonious two days before the, the midterm. He didn't change that much in 10 days. Okay? I mean, he doesn't have Twitter to do these things on, but he'll do it on true social. He might even be back on Twitter. Who knows? I hope so. It makes things more entertaining. Much more entertaining. But, you know... The betting markets don't have him as the odds-on favorite anymore, and I, I don't think he's the, he's the odds. I know we can't trust polls. I know. Even though we say that, don't we always say that? The polls have been wrong like the last several election cycles. This time they were terrible. And yet we always say that, right? And then two years later we forget. We always say we're not going to follow these dumb polls anymore. They're always wrong. And then two years later, there we are following the polls again. I guess that's just the nature of the game, right? But evidently we can't trust them anymore. We just can't go in to election day, trusting what these polls say anymore, you know, and come on, they're going to change 85,000 times between now and the, and, and, and the first primaries. They're going to change so many times as other people get in and there are other candidates and there are debates and there are ads and there's money put in it. They're going to constantly change these polls, constantly change. But right now they're changing in the, in the, in the, to the advantage of, of Ron DeSantis.
you know. Um, yes, John Ziegler says, when it comes to the Trump-not-Trump Trump divide, I'm amazed that the following fact is not even part of the debate. Can't the GOP find someone who can post on Twitter and Facebook, has never been impeached twice, can serve this is very important, and no one's talking about this. Can serve two terms and won't be an instant lame duck and isn't over 80 while he's in office. No one is talking about that. I think people like DeSantis and other candidates, as they get in, will talk about that. The fact that he's a lame duck as soon as he gets in. I, I, I gather there's a section of, of this country that doesn't realize he can't run for re-election. That it's not that the guy gets two consecutive terms, he gets eight years, whether it's consecutive or not. So in 2028, the seat would be open again. Why do Republicans need that? Why would they rather run someone who can be an incumbent in 2028? Why would they, why would they not want to have an incumbent again, again in 2028? And you become just like a, any, any president in their second term, you become a lame duck because everyone knows you can't run again. So I don't understand the idea at all about Donald Trump running or, or being the top candidate for anybody. In fact, I would think Republicans would want to make sure he doesn't win. I think it's in the best interest of their party to make sure he doesn't win. Plain and simple, for so, so many reasons, those reasons that John spoke about and so many other reasons, just so, so many other reasons, you know. Um, and I think the fresh start is just a good idea to have a, a fresh start. And, you know, there's no guarantee it'll be Biden. You know, people say, OK, it could be Biden. If it's Biden, it's two old guys. But don't don't buy that it's going to be Joe Biden. I, I don't I still don't think I know I was wrong. I said Trump wouldn't run. He did. But I was I was actually more positive that Biden wouldn't win. I don't care about the results of the election. His approval has gone down since the election. His approval is at 37 now. OK, it's like the second lowest has been. So it's he he's not. An approval will, will reflect more directly on the candidate than other people, other candidates in the midterm. The approval will, will reflect on him. He's not going to win election with a 40% approval. It's not going to happen. And Democrats know this. So he's not going to run again. So once again, if it's someone like Gavin Newsom, Trump has a problem running against someone that young and perceived. I would like to say perceived to be good looking. Because I find him repulsive in so many ways. It's tough to it's tough to see his face looking good when the man is so repulsive in so many ways with that in his policies and the way he acts and that hair gel he has in his hair. But, you know, he'll be perceived. He'll be perceived by many across this country as being young and good looking. And that's not what Trump is perceived as being. It's a very superficial world we live in, very superficial country, I should say, we live in. So that that needs to be you know, uh, taken into account that it probably won't be Biden. So all these polls that say Trump is beating Biden, forget it. All the polls say DeSantis is beating Biden too, but even, I saw a poll, once again, talking about polls, I saw a poll yesterday that said Trump's beating him by two, but DeSantis has got him doubled by four. But what they should start doing, I would think eventually they will, is polling like Trump versus Newsom and DeSantis versus Newsom and then see where the polls are. You know, I would hope this country would reject Gavin Newsom. California is in such shit shape. Such shit shape. I believe we're going to just, we're reversing from like a, a 32. In fact, David Sachs put the numbers up. Yeah, the biggest, no, it's, this is another thing. The biggest, have you seen that guy, the young Nadoff, the little Nadoff, the Nadoff, the Madoff with curly hair? 
Did you see that guy? S what's his name? S SBF <laughs> who made off with, with so with millions and millions of dollars. And a lot of this money went to the Democratic forty million went to the Democratic candidates. Bad shit stolen money. <laughs> the reason why the Democrats won the Senate, stolen money. We'll talk about that in a minute. But but I think we're going from a, a, a surplus to a deficit here in California. We're going from a surplus to a deficit. And does the rest of the country want to be what California is? That's the question. As predicted, California is now forecast to swing from a $37 billion surplus to a $25 billion deficit next year. So is that is that what the rest of the country wants? Is that what the rest of the country wants? Does the rest of the country want a guy who shut the state down for a year and a half, that shut schools down, that killed small businesses, crime shooting through the roof, inflation, up, you know, sky high, gas prices twice as high as everywhere else? Is that what the rest of the country wants? Does the rest of the country really want to be California? Can Gavin Newsom run his record here in California, let's say in Texas? Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Iowa, Ohio, Michigan. He can't. There's no way he can do it. But I would want someone going up against him who doesn't have that huge superficial deficit, right? The optics deficit that a Donald Trump would bring in a race like that. I mean, once again, I, I can only tell you that if it's DeSantis versus Newsom, I, I, I don't see a loss coming the Republicans' way. You have a, does the rest of the country want to be Florida or California? Would you go with New, Would you go with DeSantis's record in Florida or Newsom's record in California? I mean, I think it's such, it's such a stark difference. It's such a stark difference that I believe, you know, the country would go, would want to be Florida, not California. Most of the country anyway. Except for maybe the deepest, deepest, deepest blue areas. Um, so that's my opinion on Donald Trump. Once again, there'll be a lot more coming as the, as the, as the, as, you know, and, you know, Ron DeSantis brought up a great thing. He said, look, the, the election just ended. Let's all relax. Let's all take a, let's all take a deep breath. The election literally just ended. Okay. We have a runoff in Georgia in a few weeks. We don't need this noise right now. We don't need this crazy noise. It's just not important at this point to do this. Let's all relax. Let's let's come back to earth here. And he's right. You know, he's right. Um, but you're already getting the right, the left wing media, the DNC owned media, the media that was the reason why Joe Biden won. I've mentioned this many times. The reason why Joe Biden got 81 million votes was because of the media constantly. Now, I'm, I'm surprised Republicans can win anything these days with 90% of the media against them, with 90% of the media brainwashing people against Republicans, whether it's MSNBC or CNN or ABC or PBS or NPR, and they're always, they're always brainwashing people against Donald Trump, how horrible he is, and they're so biased. Look, they don't even pretend to not be biased anymore. And I guess the reason they can do that is because the Democratic voters are so ignorant, naive, and stupid. That they don't, the media doesn't need to be biased. It's not like Democrats are going to lash out against them, right? It's like Democrats are going to say, oh, that's not fair. 
The Democrats love that the media is biased. They like having the media on their side. Someone like the awful Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. Now, yesterday I mentioned, as I was watching Trump's speech, uh, I mentioned that he said something that, that didn't make sense. It, it was a uh, glitch, an error. You know, he said we went decades without a war during well, during his during his time in the office. We went decades without a war. Well, he would have to be in office for decades. He's only in office for four years. But what he meant to say was, we went decades, decades without a president who didn't get us into a war. That's what he wanted to say. That's what he wanted to say. We went decades without a president that didn't get us into a war until my four years. Okay, but he, he said it wrong. He said we went decades without a war. So Maggie Haberman jumps on him on Twitter and makes fun of him. And all I can say to Maggie Haberman is I'm sure, I'm sure Maggie Haberman jumped on Biden's 75 million gaffes over the last two years, right? I'm sure every time Biden makes a, a gaffe like Trump did, Trump spoke for an hour and five minutes, made one gaffe. One gaffe. Biden, I've seen, make 30 gaffes in the first five minutes of a speech. Does Maggie Haberman jump on those? Jump on those and make Biden look like an idiot? Of course not. But once again, someone like Maggie Haberman is not a journalist. These aren't journalists, people. These aren't journalists. <laughs> I don't care if they've been in journalism. I don't care if they went to journalism school. I don't care if they have a degree in communications or journalism. I don't care. They're political activists. They're about praising the people they love and taking down the people they don't politically. That's all they are. They are political activists. And that's such a cheap thing to be. It's such an anti-intellectual cheap thing to be. But they get a lot of fame and fortune. They make tons of money right for the Times. Fame and fortune being political activists, because you know why? Their bosses are political activists. The people who hire them are political activists, and they want the best political activists. And Maggie Haberman is a fucking great political activist. She ain't a journalist. She's not a journalist. And none of them are. When I say none, I mean most. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't even name a few that are good journalists. Miguel Amagur, the one on NBC who they fired or they suspended, he's a good journalist. And when you're a good journalist, out the door you go. He's the, he, you see, Miguel was not a good political activist. He wasn't a good enough political activist. He was too much of a journalist. And you can't be a journalist when your bosses are political activists and they want political activism. It should be the New York Political Activism Times. That's what you call it. The New York Political Activism Times. And then people would know what it is. They go, okay. They're political activists. Which is which is all they are. But this is what we're going to see over and over again. Look, we see um we see just headlines talking about Trump running again. Right? Headlines talking about Trump running again. And instead of writing a, a journalistic headline, such as former President Donald Trump runs for a third time. That's that's how I'd write it, right? You don't, In other words, if I wrote the headline, you wouldn't know if I liked him or didn't like him. And that's what a journalist is supposed to be. You're supposed to know, you're supposed to not know whether they like or dislike somebody that they're covering. So that's what I'd say. I'd say former President Donald Trump runs for a third term. That's all. Tells the whole story, right? Trump's running again. 
No, we see headlines, major headlines from like NBC News and other outlets saying two-time impeached president who denied, I swear to God, have you seen these headlines? I'm not making this up. Two-time impeached president who denied election and caused riots and runs is running again. This is not a fucking headline. That's not a journalistic headline. That's a political activist headline. Okay? If I were a political activist on the right, I would write something to the effect of president with seven with, with lower in, lowest inflation and lowest gas prices in 25 years who never started a war runs for election. Would, would that be good journalism? Of course not. Because you would know, just like I know those writers at NBC and MAGA Haven hate Trump, you would know I love Trump. And that's not journalism. It's political activism. Remember, these same political activists at MSNBC and the New York Times, when they talk about Biden, right? They don't say, they don't talk about Hunter Biden, right? They don't talk about that. They don't talk about dementia. They don't talk about, they don't say a dementia-ridden president with, with, uh, with, with, a, with, with, with a crack, with a crack son who, who hired whores as a president. Did they say that? Of course not. Because they love him. Oh, if they didn't like him, if he was Republican, damn right they would write those things. So once again, this is not journalism. This is simply political activism. Political activism. Now, you know, when it comes to political activism, I think we can look at the New York Times, the Washington Post, you know, so on and so forth. And as you watch them during this campaign, you'll see how biased they are. I mean, the, the, they're not going to write one article about Donald Trump that's not biased. Not one. Not one headline that doesn't prove their bias. And so... You really, as someone on Twitter said, you know, I'm I'm getting on Maggie Haberman's case and they say, just don't. How about we just don't. How about we don't listen to her this time around? How about we just ignore Maggie Haberman? How about we all block her stuff on Twitter so we don't even see it? And that's probably a great idea because these people don't offer anything. They don't offer anything. They're just trying to sway votes. They're doing political activism. Like I said, they're trying to sway votes with fake headlines and fake stories. This is why Trump called it fake news. This is fake news. These are fake news people. They're fake journalists. And Trump called them the enemy of the people. And in a way they are. But I, I think they're the, just the enemy of good journalism. They're the, if you're a good journalist, you should hate these people more than Trump does. Because they make you all look terrible. They are the enemy of good journalism. Is what they are. They are triggered. And they're... Like I said in the headline of the show, they're trigger Democrats and they just do their political activism. And they've been waiting two years to do this again. As much as they say they hate that Donald Trump's running, they love that Donald Trump's running because it gives them headlines. It gives them hits. It gives them views. Their ratings were boffo during Trump's four years and his campaigns. Boffo. They've been in the shitter since. We see ratings going in the shitter even during a midterm, even with the mid up to the midterms. A lot of places couldn't get good ratings. But with Trump, oh, the ratings were through the roof and they will be again. 
So they're in a weird position, right? You got this political activism, which tries to take him down a few notches. But then at the same time, they don't want him out. Certainly not soon. They want to keep him in as long as possible. And I would uh, even say they would, wouldn't mind if he were president again. Now, personally, they might mind, right? Because they hate him. They're political activists who are lefties. But I think at, in their business, with the money they make, they would love it if he were president again. Because he gets ratings. He gets them all raises. And he knows that, too. So this is what we're going to really have to go through again. Elijah Wood talked about a Trump campaign and the presidency. No, we have to go through this political activism posing as journalism. This political activism posing as journalism and virtue signaling posing as uh, posing as journalism. That's what we have to go through again. That's kind of the mishigas and the anxiety that I get from this. But then again, I should be happy because it'll help my show. We're all happy, you know. Well, there'll be a long, long time, plenty of shows to go to talk about Donald Trump, which is what he wants. We're giving him what he wants. We're giving him what he wants. Yes, Joe Biden's approval is 37, disapproved 57. So he's 20 points, 20, 20 points below water. That's, and this is November 14th to 15th. So this is a week after the election. So it doesn't, uh, the Democrats, quote unquote, winning, not really, but whatever, didn't do much for his approval. In fact, it went down. It went down. Yeah, DeSantis said, these are the exact words. We just finished the election, okay? People just need to chill out a little bit on some of this stuff. I mean, seriously, we have this Georgia runoff coming, which is very important for Republicans to win. So we already see this working out, right? He's going to be the more reasonable voice. He'll be, he's a very strong voice. He's an alpha male. He'll be a very strong voice, but he's more the reasonable alpha male where Trump's going to be kind of, you know, the out-of-control alpha male. And then you got Mike Pence, who's going to be like the Reagan kind of guy, you know. Oh, we need to get along. We need, to, we need, you know, we need peace and quiet. We need stability. And who knows what the others are going to bring, like Pompeo and such. But it's gonna, it could be a very interesting time is what, is what I'm getting at, I guess. And you should never eliminate someone like Mike Pence because the media will say he's boring, right? The, the media, the fake news media, like The View, uh, another, another place I should block, for the next two years, is uh, is talking about that speech being boring, that he was falling asleep. Yet, when Donald Trump gives a rally speech, they call him fascist and Hitler. So what do you want? Is it somewhere in between? In, somewhere in between fascist Hitler and boring sleepy? I mean, they're so intellectually vapid. <laughs> they really are intellectually vapid. They don't see what he's trying to do. He's just trying to be calmer, right? He's just trying to be more reasonable to his approach, at least... For now, like I said, it won't last. They'll be happy because it won't last. But to make shit up like he's falling asleep is totally ridiculous. These same people see this, this is why it's there's such a joke. People like Joy Behar are such a joke. First of all, she doesn't do any research. She's she's lazy. She likes this gig of being on TV where she can look into a camera and read off a teleprompter and talk with her bitchy sisters and not have to do any real research because when she worked in radio which is where I know her from. When she started out in radio, remember she was just a comedian and then she went into radio at WABC where I worked and she got fired because she simply didn't do her research. She wouldn't read the papers like all the other hosts. She didn't know what was going on. She wouldn't inform herself. She was simply lazy. So now she can just sit there for whatever it is, an hour, whatever it is, and bitch and moan with her sisters and say stupid things like, 
He's sleepy. He looks sleepy. Yet did she say that when, when Biden actually fell asleep? Did she say anything about that when Biden, in an interview, in a one-on-one, actually nodded off for a, a couple of seconds? Did she say he fell asleep? No, of course not. That's why these people can't be taken seriously. They can't. I take you more seriously. I don't think Biden, I don't think Trump's speech was sleepy. It was, it was, it was, it was quieter than most of his speeches. It was too long. But I have more respect if you called out Joe Biden for falling asleep and then you said you thought Trump's speech was sleepy. Be consistent. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be such an ob. Like I said, these people are such obvious hypocrites. They don't try to hide it. They don't try to even hide it. And they should never, ever be taken seriously. Take them as, as, um, as frivolous entertainment. That's basically what they are. They're frivolous entertainment. So moving along to COVID. <laughs> uh, the left certainly wants COVID forever. And I, I've, I've talked about this before. That they seem to need COVID in their lives. They seem to need COVID in their lives. It has to be there for them. It it took up some space that was some empty space that was there. And it took up that empty space in their lives. And they don't feel fulfilled without it. And so those of us who, who called them out on this years ago and said this is the way it was going to be forever were called nutty conspiracy theorists. And of course, our, us nutty conspiracy theorists have been right on every single issue. And I was also right when I said the left wouldn't let this go. That every flu season, they would bring this shit back. They bring back the idea of vaccine mandates and mask mandates and all this stuff. And this will be every flu season, probably for the rest of our lives. And they just proved me right again. And now we have this childhood disease thing that's, that's going around, supposedly, also. Um, so they're talking about bringing masks back. I mean, they're, they're, they're jonesing for masks. They're jonesing. They, they love masks. And then you bring up the simple fact that, oh, and I also want to get the fact that the, 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 the Senate just voted to knock down Biden's to no longer extend this COVID emergency because it's called an emergency. And an emergency means temporary. An emergency can't last for three years. There's no three-year emergency. I'm sorry. There's no such thing. There's never been a three-year emergency. This is not a war, which lasts four years, is never called an emergency for four years. It's a war. It's not an emergency. There's never been an emergency this fucking long with no end date on it. I mean, this emergency is going to last as long as World War II. It's absolutely insane. So they, 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 the Senate finally decided this finally did something with some common sense. And I think 13 Democrats joined the Republicans in ending this ridiculous COVID emergency, which is once again a blank check for big pharma. And um, so they did the right thing. And you have crazy, wacky progressives like Nina Turner, who I once respected, but I don't respect any progressive anymore, including Bernie Sanders, talk about how, how horrible it is. See, Nina Turner, the progressive, See, all of a sudden, progressives seem to believe that someone should be a, di- should be a dictator. In other words, Congress shouldn't legislate. Congress should have no say in an emergency, whether an emergency is extended until the end of time. A dictator should tell you, I dictate that the emergency lasts forever. 
This is what progressives seem to believe now, that we should have a great dictator and then Charlie Chaplin and this bum. But the, we, need a, we need a great dictator that Congress is not allowed to do their job. Congress should not be allowed to do their job, which is what they just did. But basically, they want this to last forever. They want COVID to last forever. They absolutely do. And they want to continue throwing money out the window. We saw from much of this COVID emergency money that was just thrown out the window, money that was given supposedly for COVID and, 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 and uh, wasn't spent or was spent on other things. And that's part of what this COVID emergency allowed these people to do, allowed them to use the funds for other things when they were supposed to use it for COVID. So the progressives and the left want this to continue on and on to God and drive the deficit up and up and up when it's time to just end this. It's time to just end it. And when you talk about masks, they go crazy about masks. And it's the usual, it's the usual suspects on, on Twitter, many of them Asian doctors. I, I, you know, they claim to be Asian doctors and, and they, they talk about masks. And I think, oh, you're an Asian doctor. Well, do you know that China and Japan never stop wearing masks? Do you know that in China and Japan, they've been like wearing masks before COVID, especially in China, they're wearing masks like before COVID. So all those masks that they wore all the time before COVID didn't keep COVID away. And then China, which had the most stringent, strict mitigation methods, they locked down every other week, right? They forced people in. They closed everything down. They continued to mask because they always wear masks. They have the, the, the biggest spike in COVID cases are in Asia right now, Japan and China. So how are, how are the masks doing in Asia and China? How are the strict, strict mitigation methods doing in China? Has it ended COVID? You idiots, you morons. But when you bring up logic and fact, it's right. This logic and fact is right in front of you. You talk about masks and bringing back masks at the same time when the two Asian countries where they all fucking wear masks for decades are having these huge spikes. Are you not? Are you not a total moron? I get mad because you've got to be a total fucking idiot. Not to see it or to not want to see it because you've got to continue your sick, obsessive OCD neurosis narrative. And you need this in your life. You need this or your life is empty and meaningless without a fucking respiratory disease. How sick in the fucking head is that? I think it's obvious how sick it is. And so, as I've said, they will not let this go. They will not. The left wants COVID forever. They want it, which is very sick. I mean, they want disease, right? They want a disease they say is killing people, though it really isn't. It's killing, once again, as usual, people with 85 pre-existing conditions and people who are 137. That's who it always killed, and that's who it's continuing to kill, but of course, a much lesser degree than it did in the first year. But they want this to last forever. They want a disease that they believe hurts and kills people to last forever. Isn't that sad? This reminds me of a lot of moments during the, the main meat of COVID, the main thrust of COVID, when we have good news and we try to report good news and they go, no, no, not really. That's not really good news. No, it's bad news. I don't want to hear the good news. Like they don't want to hear any good news that might say it might be going away in the next year and a half, two years. They couldn't deal with COVID going away that quickly. That's very sad when you have hypochondria to that level where you're hoping a disease that you believe is hurting and killing the world continues forever. And that's what they seem to want. That's what they seem to want. They won't just shut up. I say just shut up. If you want it to go away, just shut up. Believe me, if you shut up and stop testing, it'll go away. It'll actually go away. Not in like in a fantasy world, but in the real world, it'll go away if you stop talking about it and stop testing. 
We will simply just live with the remnants of it, the way we live with flu and everything else. But they don't want that. Like I said, part of it's psychological. What did Yogi Berra say? Baseball is 80% mental and half physical, something like that, right? <laughs> well, it's it's eighty. I say it's eighty percent psychological, and maybe twenty percent. These people have been famous over. They've been made famous. It comes down to money once again. A lot of it comes down to money. They've been they become famous and popular. People know their names. They're big shots on Twitter. They've made money. They probably talk about it. They've probably written books about it. Why would you want that to end? It's a gravy train for a lot of people. Once again, very sick and sad for a disease that you believe is so awful. And you're continuing to make money and popularity over it, and you don't want it to go because of that reason. What's worse, the psychological reason or the monetary reason? I don't know. It's a good question. But I think we have a combination of both for people. A combination of both. CDC data, by the way, speaking of COVID, CDC data shows that the COVID pandemic was virtually undetectable, undetectable in ER visits. In fact, ER visits never spiked, but dropped in mid-2020 and have remained below 2019 rates through each wave of the virus. Isn't that interesting? ER visits are incredibly low. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is, that ER visits are incredibly low? Now, you can think of it two ways, right? You could say, well, the whole thing was overblown, right? Because you think people would be going to the ER with this, right? People are sick, they're coughing, they can't breathe. They're going to go to the ER themselves or call an ambulance, and they're going to be taken into the ER and registered as being in an ER. So you could talk about that, and I, I think there's a lot to that because I have talked to ER – I've, I've talked to people who, who work, ambulance drivers – and they have told me that the whole thing was overblown. This is San Francisco. This is the middle of the city. This is ER. These are people who who, who uh, work at a, at a city center hospital that was a COVID central hospital. And they tell me, they tell me, yeah, there were people, but it was totally overblown. It was totally overblown than what you heard in the media. It wasn't even close to what they were talking about in the media. And that was like the first six months. After that, there was hardly anybody. It was very rare. So... We know a lot of it's overblown, but I think part of it's also, okay, so if you believe that it's overblown, fine, great. If you want to believe it's the vaccines, that doesn't make any sense because we're talking about, once again, this started in mid-2020. They dropped in mid-2020. So how would they drop in mid-2020 when the vaccines didn't come out till December 2020, January 2021? See, there's some morons who are trying to credit the, the vaccine, but that doesn't make any sense because they started to drop six months before the vaccine. And remember, ER visits never spiked. They never spiked once, but they started to drop in the summer of 2020, which is totally in line with these ER, with these ambulance drivers were telling me that there were cases, but it was never a big spike. And then it died down very quickly. This is the truth, you see. And this is the numbers backing up the people I spoke to. The numbers backing up. So this all happened. The drop happened six months before the first jab with it the jab went into arms they love that jab and arms thing before the first jab went into an arm and and you know if you're going to talk about the vaccine you had to give it three four five months to really work and enough people to get it 60 percent. so you're talking almost a year before the majority of people had the vaccine a year 
when the ER cases start to drop. So you cannot credit the vaccine. You might want to pretend it is, but you really can't. That's not what the numbers and the data and the facts say. Just not. So <laughs> someone, you know, sometimes you read through Twitter, you do get some really good material, I have to admit. It says China can't control COVID with their measures, which are very strict, as I said. But your kid's Paw Patrol mask will be enough protection. China reports 20,199 new coronavirus cases, the biggest one-day increase since April. And believe me, they've been wearing masks since April of 1968. So at some point... These people just have to shut up. You would think they'd exhaust themselves, right? But they don't. They don't exhaust themselves. They just keep talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking about COVID and saying the same ridiculous things over and over. No matter how much data we give them, we give them charts. Once again, I point you to Ian Miller, who wrote the great book on masks, which was a year and a half of chart tabulations of showing areas with masks and no masks and no difference. Many cases with an places where they wore masks for a short length of time. There was even fewer cases. It's just chart after chart after chart, comparing counties, comparing states, comparing countries. But you can't talk to these people rationally. They don't want to hear rationally. No, all they want to say is horrible disease. People died. Shut up. Wear your mask. It does, see, that's like, that's like talking to a, um, a Neanderthal, right? That's like talking to John Fetterman. Mask, good, good mask, mask, work. Work, mask. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's like talking to a fucking idiot. You cannot talk to these people. And actually, I don't want to talk to them anymore about it because I talked to them about it and it brings COVID back. I don't want to talk about this anymore. But I guess that's my job, isn't it? Dumb job. What a dumb job I have. Um, you know, I like, I'm going to get off COVID. I'm just not really getting off COVID. This is actually in, in line with COVID. Alex Berenson, who I liked, I mean, he was right there throughout all of COVID, right? He was the guy who was banned, the guy who Fauci wanted banned, the guy whose social media wouldn't let on, the left, the Democrats tried to destroy him, destroy his reputation, bump him off Twitter. He had to go to court to get back on Twitter. Remember, his thing early on was masks, right? Masks and lockdowns and vaccines and everything I've talked about. Well, he tweets today something that bugged the shit out of me. Bugged the shit out of me. And it's, I can't vote for Donald Trump under any circumstance, he says, and I can't leave my ballot blank again. So I'll vote Democratic in 2024 if Republicans nominate Trump. Last week showed how many independents feel like this. If the GOP base can't see the truth, it will learn the hard way. And I thought that was, and of course, he's getting ratioed to death by people who have followed him for the last two and a half years, and deservedly so. Once again, here we go. So this is Trump derangement syndrome. Right. It's more Trump derangement syndrome because he makes you so deranged that you say stupid things. And I said, this is kind of dumb. The Democrats tried to shut you up. So I guess the Democrats don't have to learn the hard way when it comes to the lockdowns and masking and covid mandates. And trying to shut people up and censoring people on social media, the Democrats don't need to learn a lesson. It's the Republicans that need to learn a lesson. Why? Because Trump is allowed to run. Because Trump is allowed to run again? It's, it's so idiotic. It makes no sense whatsoever. It makes no sense whatsoever. And also, as I mentioned, all the stuff he railed against for three years got him lots of publicity and got him on Tucker Carlson many times. But it's so idiotic. So the Republicans need to learn a lesson if 
they advance, if the Republican voters advance Donald Trump to, and that would be, it would be Republican voters, right? Wouldn't be the politicians, it would be the Republican voters who would be advancing Donald Trump to the general election. So they need to learn a lesson by the Democrats winning as opposed to the Democrats learning a lesson. So it's more important for the Republican voters to learn a lesson for voting for Trump again than for, in a primary, than for the Democratic Party to learn a lesson when it comes to censorship and freedom of speech and lockdowns and masking and, and, and forcing vaccines into people's arms and forcing people to get medical procedures. I don't, I don't see the equivocation there. I don't look for, once again, I'm not a Trump fan. I will not vote for Trump in a primary. I will vote for Ron DeSantis. In fact, I haven't really, I haven't, I've never voted in a Republican primary. I'm an independent. And I always pick the Democratic primary, right? This, this time in 2024, I'll pick the Republican primary and I will vote for Ron DeSantis. But I, I'll make it very clear. If it's Trump versus any Democrat, I'm voting for Donald Trump. Yes, I won't leave my ballot blank and I'm not going to vote for a Green Party candidate again. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump if he's the person the Republican voters pick. It's that simple because Democrats do need to learn a lesson much more than the Republican voters need to learn a lesson. The Democrats need to learn a lesson and they learned half a lesson this year. I was hoping they'd they'd learn a full lesson. They learned half a lesson. But to me, this was only part one of the lesson. You see, according to me, my plan, which I believe it makes a lot more sense than Berenson's plan. This was part one of two part lesson, which was they'd lose, they lose Congress now and they'd lose the presidency in two years. And then maybe, then maybe they'll learn a lesson. But to just pull out of this whole thing and say, oh, I'm going to vote for a Democrat because Trump is running is, is insane. It's totally insane. And I've mentioned that Trump was wrong about COVID. He was. But you know that if Donald Trump were president in 2021, 2022, he pushes stupid shit vaccines, which he shouldn't have done. And he should admit their shit, which he won't. But he would not have done, he would not have done vaccine mandates. He would not have done that. He would not have promoted vaccine mandates. He wouldn't have done the military vaccine. He wouldn't have done all the vaccine mandates that Biden was allowed to do. What was it? Military government workers. Remember, they tried to do private companies with OSHA. He wouldn't have done that. Luckily, the Supreme Court knocked them down on that one. He wouldn't have done masking on planes. He wouldn't have done that stuff. So we know that. We know it because he was talking against this stuff before any of it happened. So we know that. We know that Donald Trump would have done a lot of great things, a lot of things Biden never did. A lot of things Biden never did. So to just say I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump, once again, just shows you have Trump derangement syndrome. There's something about him, and I've said this before, that just brings out the worst in his supporters and his detractors. Not like any, and I know people say, oh yeah, any president does it. No, no, no. There's no president, even W, who was very divisive with the Iraq thing and other stuff, did not bring out this kind of visceral hatred in the left and, and can you say visceral love? I guess you can. Love can be visceral in the right. No one's done this before. And I think as exciting as it may be, as interesting as it may be, as much as it gives us stuff to talk about, it gets ratings. I don't think it's good for the human condition. I don't think it's good for the human condition. I don't. And it just, it makes us even more divided, right? 
because you're being divided between the lovers and the, the Trump lovers and the Trump haters, and they absolutely hate each other. So you, you're giving more of a division. You know, Joe Biden has definitely divided the country, but I think Trump divided the country, which is why this is going to sound like a cliche. We need a uniter. We need a uniter. In chief. They all say that I'm going to be the uniter in chief, but we need we do need a real uniter in chief. We do. And if you look at Ron DeSantis, forget about what people in New York think about him right now, the people in California, that's not going to matter because they won't vote for Republican anyway, especially California. New York showed some sanity this year. I still don't think they'd vote for Republican for president, not, not, not in 2024 anyway. Although if crime gets really bad, they might. They might. Look, I, I have a friend who thinks Donald Trump should run for mayor. He hates Trump, but he thinks he should run for mayor of New York because in that regard of crime, he believes he'd crack down the way Giuliani did. That's probably true. So maybe New Yorkers will vote for a Republican in, uh, in 2024. If crime continues to get worse for two more years. Let's hope not, but it could. But um, I think if you look at most people, the, 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 if you look at Florida, they can tell you this guy is a uniter because he appealed to every demographic. What's, what's more uniting than that? Isn't that what they talk about when they want a uniter? People who can unite the left and the right and the Republicans and Democrats and, and the independents, and the blacks, Latinos and the whites. And that's what DeSantis did. In this wonderful, wonderful, um, I don't know the focus group, but a Florida of 21 million people, case study. He, he, he did COVID right. Uh, and he did, obviously he got the votes from every, every group. So he, he knows how to do that. So I think he can be a real uniter. Um, and I think that he's, the, he's definitely the way to go as I bring that back to that again. Um, if you if people really do believe they want a a true uniter uh, in chief, um, let me see if there's anything else I want. Remember, I'm going to be at the Fox News Patriot Awards tomorrow night, Thursday night, and I'm going to do the show after, and I'll try to do it at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. I can't promise that because I don't know how long the awards. The awards start at seven, so I might be on late. But I'll try to come on after the show when I have a quiet space to do a show in and talk about what um, and talk about what happened, what, what happened, who I met, who I met, who won awards with, with the, with the uh, I'll give you the I'll give you a feel, a feel for the event. But I just don't know exactly what time I'm going to be on because of those awards. So that's always a little shitty because it's tough to get people to listen and call in when they don't know what time you're going to be on. But I'll I'll try my best to be on as close to usual usual time as possible. But I will be attending the Fox News uh, Patriot Awards. Um, yeah, I, I guess you know when you talk about oh that guy the the little Madoff. That's right, the little Bernie Madoff guy. Uh, th- this is all new. It just really started coming in today. But anyway, this guy who I guess ran one of these crypto places that was it's that crypto one that, in fact, they're I, I think Tom Brady, very odd. Tom Brady and, and Larry David are being sued for doing ads for that crypto that this guy uh, promoted, that this guy uh, started because it found it was like a Ponzi scheme. So he ended up, you know, ripping off a lot of people. And I think he and he, he was a big Democrat, so he donated a lot of that money. So like $40 million to the Democrats. And uh, found out he was a total uh, scam artist. Now, if you go back and you're watching his interviews, you're thinking, who the hell would give this guy even a red cent? 
I mean, the guy looks like a nut job. In all of his interviews, he's like, he's fidgeting. His arms, his legs are fidgeting like he's on coke or meth. Or he's very nervous because he's lying, which he was. You're thinking, holy crap, who, who would have trusted this guy? Well, evidently, Larry David and uh, Tom Brady trust him enough to do those ads. It's that ad that Larry David does where he's supposedly saying, you know, he does. he's going back in time. He's playing all these historical figures, and he's always wrong. And then he someone comes to him for this company crypto crypto and he goes nah it's not gonna not gonna not gonna become anything and that's the that's the ad uh and i'm always right he says and of course the idea is always wrong so by the by the crypto and that, now he's getting sued i don't know how you can really sue someone for doing an ad i mean he didn't know the guy it was a, a ponzi you know him and tom bray didn't know that they were who know who knew so i don't i don't know why i don't know why they're, they're being sued i have to i have to find out more about that but uh, yeah, so here's this guy. Let's see how much you see about this guy on CNN, MSNBC, as opposed to if it was a guy who gave $40 million to the Republicans, right? Imagine they give $40 million to Republican House members and they'll say, oh, they just got by in the House. That's because of this guy's money and this guy's a schemey artist. Of course, you probably won't hear much about this on CNN, MSNBC, because he gave to Democrats. Because he gave to Democrats. I'll talk more about this as I get more information in. But once again, it's just that double standard I started talking about in the show. You know, it's just a double standard. It's, it's just it's political activism. So you accentuate the positive and you eliminate the negative about anyone on your side. And you accentuate the negative and eliminate the positive about anyone who you don't like. And, and that's, that's what they do. That's simply what they do. And they do it over and over and over again. And it's a shame. None of these people should be able to work for the New York Times or the Washington Post because they were once great publications. They were once publications you could read for actual journalism, investigative journalism. But now forget it. You can't do that anymore. You cannot do it anymore. Oh, boy. So what else? Let's see. So the, the little Madoff, Bernie, Minnie Madoff, Minnie Me, Minnie Madoff. Um, yeah, this is, I'll talk more later in the week about Klaus Schwab. And it's so funny. I was watching uh, Fox yesterday and I was watching a clip of Klaus Schwab. And I've always thought that if you're going to put a guy front and center who is a, a total sleazeball like Schwab, such an evil villain like Schwab, well, what he's pushing is evil. What he's pushing is evil. Wouldn't you put a front man who looks better than that? A frontman doesn't look totally evil. So I'm watching a clip of him. Um, and Will Kane is doing the show on Fox. And I'm watching the clip and I'm thinking, this guy looks like a Bond villain. I mean, that's what he reminds me of, Schwab, a Bond villain. And <laughs> they play the clip and they come back and and I, I, I almost fell off my chair. Will Kane says, this guy is like a Bond villain. I, I swear to God, I thought about it eight seconds before he said it. But it's, once again... It's so obvious he's a Bond villain. It's so obvious he's an evil man. It's like they're not even trying to hide. It's like they're not putting like a, uh, a good-looking young guy there as a front man or a woman as a front person. They're just putting this guy there who everyone knows is evil and pushing this incredibly evil ideology and telling politicians what to do. And... As I said, they're not trying to hide this anymore. They talk about the New World Order. They talk about the Great Reset. They write books about it. Biden's mentioned it. So this is almost like you can't stop us. You know, we know, you know what we're doing. We know you know what we're doing. But you can't stop us because you are weak, 
weak, no power. We have all the power in the world. I'm hoping the people at this Fox News award show give me some positive feedback and some positive thoughts and positive hope being among like-minded people. It will be very interesting to see how many of them are DeSantis people and how many of them are Trump people. If I could do some kind of a poll, I will, unscientific poll, find out who's on, who's on what side. Should be an interesting dynamic. Fox News viewers takes place in Florida, Mar-a-Lago, right? But uh, a lot of people will be probably Floridians, voted for DeSantis. Be very interesting to see the dynamic. Very interesting to see the dynamic. Um, and let me see, there's one more thing I wanted to... There was always something I forget. There's always something I, I forget to talk about. But no, you know what? I think, I think we might just leave it there. And we'll talk more later in the week about um, about Trump, about uh, about this mini Madoff. I can find out more about it, and of course, you know, just simply about dealing with the next election cycle in a more, if we can, in a more normal way, really, because this last one got me really going. I mean, this last election cycle got me really going. And what we really saw from this last election cycle is people just said, for the most part, I mean, the House is flipping, which is big. Like I said, many reasons is big. Investigations, oversight, stopping Biden's crap, whatever you may say, it's very big. Nancy Pelosi loses the gavel, big stuff. New committee heads, big stuff. But for the most part, for the most part, people said, we like the status quo. We like our Democratic governor. We like our Republican governor. You know what people said, really? what they often say, but this time more than ever. We don't like that congressperson. We don't like that senator, but we like our congressperson. We like our senator. And that's what people did. Incumbents won over well over 90% of the races. It was like one of the best elections for incumbents. It wasn't a great election for Democrats or necessarily Republicans, but it was for incumbents. We'll see if that holds in 2024. All right. I think I'm going to end the show on that note. Um, once again, I'll be I'll, uh, the Fox News Patriot Awards. I'll come on after and I'll talk all about it and share my thoughts and ideas with you. Um, once again, it'll be on 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, hopefully. Could be a little bit late, depending on how late it goes. And if I get invited to any parties, which is highly unlikely, um, but uh, <laughs> I'll definitely have a show after and I'll, 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 I'll give you my thoughts. All right. The name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. I'm Mike Chopoli. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Have a good night, and I'll speak to you tomorrow night.